0: that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary bdw Void or prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus okay round 2 name something that's not boring
1: a laundry <sighs> Ooh, a book club <sighs> computer solitaire huh
0: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com Jumba. no purchase necessary Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details Pittsburgh Steeler
2: fans we ah. are back didn't you just see us? my name is Brian Anthony Davis alongside with me is Tony Defeo and we just had uh, we had the Steeler Q&A and uh, we got down and dirty and we uh, Tony and I actually disagreed <laughs> which is actually good for us you know Yeah. Uh, yeah. sparring partners yeah um, yeah but, We're back with a brand new show, and this is something that we've been talking about for a long time, and we're going to call this Steelers Nostalgia, and I haven't seen anybody pop up in the live chat yet, and I'm hoping that does. I I haven't seen anybody as far as viewers, so that might might take a second to come in, but what we're going to do here is we are going to talk about the greatest memories we've ever had in Pittsburgh Steeler history. But today, we're going to talk about memories of backup quarterbacks. Now, Tony, before we get into the topic, let's talk about a little bit how this came about. All right. I was looking for some information for one of my articles. I'm doing the UniWatch and the Uni Watch is uh, it's called Numero Uni um or numero uni instead of numero uno um i don't really know if that's working but uh so what we're talking about here is i had to go back and look for some information on Walter Abercrombie and i know a lot about Abercrombie because i grew up with him and i actually have fond memories of Walter Abercrombie but no. i just wanted to get a little bit more for this for this article so i was looking through and i found this article by one Tony Defio and it was not a behind the steel curtain article. And so I I was looking it up and I'm reading it. And I'm like, my gosh, Tony's as in depth as I am on this. And it's one of my it was one of my all-time favorite games that you talked about. And it was the Steelers against the Raiders, and they needed that to go into the playoffs in 1984. A crazy season, one of my favorite seasons. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of yours too, Tony.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely one of my favorites.
2: So I'm thinking, you know what? We need to just talk about the past sometimes. We talk all we talk about who's going to be the backup quarterback, do they have a plan, what's going to happen here, can the defense sustain all that? Yeah. We we talk about that all the time on this network and we're going to continue to do that, but not on this show. So if you if you want to talk about Steeler football for 2020, that's what the last show was for. This show is to go ahead and talk about the past and stuff that we love. And we're going to actually uh, rank some of these guys down. Um we're going to we're going to rank them from 5 to 1 and we're going to see who you have in there, who your opinion is. And you now I already see some people saying uh best backup quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know there might be some guys in there that aren't your traditionally backup quarterbacks, they just they they were the the man in waiting like Cordell Stewart's probably not going to be on the list because he was really never officially a backup quarterback um so we're gonna talk about those guys but whatever you want to talk about, this is a fun show this is to let your hair down and Tony, if you had more hair, you could let it down
1: right yeah what's well, it, I'm letting it down uh slowly it's just it's uh it's cascading down my back and to the to the rug, you know.
2: Tony, check this out.
1: Look, I've got, I've got a bullet growing. I know. I've got wings. That's right.
2: How about that?
1: <laughs> Look um, at you. I'm jealous.
2: So we talk about all the time, and this is something that we've talked about in history, that the most popular guy on a football team is the backup quarterback. That is until he gets into the game, and they're they're right. talking about the guy behind him. Um, so we're always we're I mean even throughout the Ben Roethlisberger era, everybody wanted a different guy to get that shot. People even wanted Mason Rudolph when they got him. They might have not been as happy, um, right. and that's been throughout the years. So let's talk about our great memories of backup quarterbacks, and I am going to go ahead. Um, I'm going to add somebody because I saw one on the live chat and I'm going to, he's from the same era as somebody else that's on here. So what we're going to do for number four, we're going to double up. We're going to have a tie at number four, but let's start with number five, Tony, when you talk about best backup quarterbacks in Pittsburgh Steeler history, let's go number
1: five. I, In my opinion, it would be Byron Leftwich. I think he would overall top 10 pick. To get him to get a player like that and Ben's what fifth year that's pretty, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big fine for the Steelers back then and it helped them win the Super Bowl. So, why
2: was he available? It was because David Garrard came mm-hmm. out of nowhere and became an amazing quarterback for that team, the Jacksonville Jags. And, right. um, Byron was wh- what was he fifth overall in 2003? And yeah, that was he 03, was three, but was it fifth?
1: It was, I think it was fourth or fifth. And it, yeah, like you said, it was a year before Ben. So he was, he was considered a, a, a top-notch quarterback for a few years there before he f- fell out of favor in Jacksonville.
2: So what was your great memory of Byron Leftwich? Uh,
1: well, I have, I have, I have a few. Um, my, my first one would be the, the, the 08 Monday night game against the Redskins when Ben went down and uh, Byron came in and uh, threw that uh, great touchdown pass to uh, San Antonio. Uh, I think they they won that game fairly handily, and and that's because they came he came in and and was was a steady presence. And then my my second favorite is uh, he he played in that <clears throat> the season finale against the uh, Browns in 08 when everything was pretty much wrapped up. Excuse me, and uh, he ran for a touchdown, and uh, I didn't see it at the time, but on the sidelines, Casey Hampton and those guys they were they were just cracking up because I guess he stumbled, and I guess he was never known for his running. So he stumbled on, on on the way into the end zone, and, and everybody just had a, just cracked up over over that. So that's my second favorite, and my third would be, the uh, the Monday night game against uh, Baltimore in 2012 where they lost, but he he actually ran for a touchdown. I thought that was pretty funny, and he broke his collarbone in the play, I think. So,
2: and you know he was wearing that was uh, one of the first times, it wasn't the first, but they were wearing the bumblebee jerseys. That was I I remember him. I mean he played valiantly in that yeah, game. Yeah. Um, we used to joke, we used to call him Byron Sandwich, and, uh, <laughs> um, but here's the thing about Leftwich, he's going to be a head coach in this league. Yeah. He's, uh, he's now the offensive coordinator with uh, Bruce Arians, he's in Tampa right now, and boy, not too bad, as one of your first gigs, you, you have, uh, as an offensive coordinator, and you also have Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski under you, so that's not too bad as well. Um, he is going to be really good, but he doesn't need those guys. That's how really good Byron Leftwich is. So I love it. I want a big, uh, I want a shout out to uh, Big Marv thirty four, who who I just brought him up earlier. Talking about uh, on the screen, talking about uh, how great Byron Leftwich is and how one of his favorites. Um, He writes, uh, What's goody to all Steelers Nation fans in the house? Bad and Tony, so glad to finally catch you guys. I work too much. So I love it. Thanks, Big Marv. Um, Here's the thing, Big Marv. We have all these people that are regulars in the uh, live chat that we know these names. We know Dave Shipley and we know Snowman and uh, Frank the Tank. We know these guys. But there are so many regulars that we have that catch us on the podcast platform, on the streaming platforms. So uh, thanks so much for those diehards that uh, that we don't get to hear from all the time because they're catching us on the way to work. They're catching us when they're at work or at night. Um, they're not watching it on YouTube, but now they're hanging out with us on YouTube right now. so uh, get some rest. you earned it and so thanks thanks to you uh, Big Marv really appreciate you. Um, what a gr- great name, Big Marv. I want to hang out with Big Marv.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: So you know what? I'm agreeing with you on Byron Leftwich. Um, he was kind of hurt in the 2010 season at the beginning, mm-hmm. so he was not able to come in. Dennis Dixon was actually the starter when Ben was on suspension for those first four games. They went three and one, and uh, I think Byron did play. He played. He came in and played in that time, and I know Charlie played. Then Dennis got hurt. Um, they might have had four quarterbacks that season of 2010, but they did go to the uh, the Super Bowl. Um, and Big Marv mentions Dennis Dixon being kind of good. Um, you know, he's an honorable mention guy for me. Um, with the guys on this list, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to go ahead and look in a different direction. But uh, Dennis Dixon didn't have the long career. But I remember Dennis Dixon in this first NFL start on, I believe it was 09, 2009, mm-hmm. 2009, and they really needed that game against Baltimore. And I mean, he came in at the last minute too. Right. It, was-, it was a situation where Ben announced that he was ready to play on Saturday, and they they said no. Dennis Dixon's right. been taking the reps, and he's he's uh, he's going in. And right. they, om- I think they lost that game 20 to 17, if I'm not mistaken. And he was really good. Um, yeah. So I really think he would have, uh, that uh, I would have loved to have seen more of him. And it's a shame that he got hurt in college.
1: Mm-hmm. He would have
2: probably been a number one draft pick if he didn't have that devastating knee injury, but he still was able to have a good career in the pros. Um, right. Sean Manahan gives us $2. Um, his top two would be Tommy Maddox, two thousand two, Big Ben, two thousand four. We're not counting Big Ben, but thanks yeah, for the two bucks, Sean. We're not yeah, going to count that's- Big Ben. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't really meant to be the back backup. He was a man in waiting. Right. Um, Tommy Maddox. We might hear more from him later. Let's just say that. But as far as Byron. Le- left, which goes, I almost called him sandwich. See how, how hmm. would that be? Um, so as far as uh Byron left, goes, I think he definitely needs to be on this list. So we'll uh, go ahead and put him at number five, right? Let's talk number four now. And this is, uh, we're going to go back a, a bit. We're not going as far as Dick Shiner in 1969. <laughs> um, actually this one guy might have been a backup to Dick Shiner in '69, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this was his rookie year, I believe. So we're going to talk about this guy and another one that he backed up with at the same time. So this is a tie here. Let's go back to the uh, let's go back to the glory years of the '70s with these guys. Um, who's our tie, Tony?
1: Have to be Terry Hanratty and, 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 and uh, Jefferson
2: Street Joe Gillum. Jefferson Street Joe. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, those two that's gotta be a tie because when Bradshaw was struggling early on, these guys came in. Yeah. I and mean, not a lot of people realize this, but Gilliam, is it Gilliam or Gilliam?
1: I think it's Gilliam, but okay. I've heard it pronounced both ways.
2: Okay. Um, let's just call him Jefferson Street. So Jefferson <laughs> Street Joe, um, he came in. And he started the 1974 season yeah. for the Steelers. Um, the season didn't start off that great. But uh, he was he was solid. But Bradshaw made his way back in and took him the Super Bowl. But Gilliam was a very big part of that team and very important. And they really needed him in there. Um, so then we go to Terry Hanratty, who was uh, – I mean, he was banged up uh, at times, but, you know, here's a championship quarterback from the University of Notre Dame. And if you don't, if all you know is Rudy about Notre Dame, then you don't know about the great history. And when we're talking about the great history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, um, excuse me, the uh, great history of the fighting Irish, Terry Hanratty was a great quarterback for, for them. And he also played college ball with one Rocky Blyer too. And they were, they were big buddies here in Pittsburgh. Um, interesting thing about Terry Hanratty as well. He is responsible. He's responsible for one of the great nicknames of all time in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you know this, Tony, but we've talked about him in the past. And I'm always going to talk about one of my all-time favorite Steelers. I have his jersey, number 68, L.C. Greenland. Oh, really? What was his nickname?
1: L.C.? Yeah.
2: Hollywood Bags. Hollywood Bags. Did you know that he was just Bags? He wasn't Hollywood Bags at first. He was known as Bags because he wore a handbag. He was like, Joey Tribbiani from Friends with the man purse. I mean <laughs> or uh the man satchel. I mean he had, right. but, but you're not making fun of 68 number 68. Um he, he was 6 foot 8 and you're not making fun of uh LC Greenwood but they called him bags. His team he, his team could do that. So back in the mid 70s, Hanratty started a rumor. He started a rumor that the Steelers were going to trade himself. And Elsie Greenwood to the Los Angeles Rams, huh. and because of that, he became Hollywood Bags.
1: I never knew. I never knew the origin of that nickname. That's that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. So there you go. <coughs> Victory Asher throws in four
2: ninety nine. We really appreciate your hard work and dough. Thanks, Victory Jefferson Street. Joe Gilliam is number one, and he's definitely on our list here. We have him at number four, but uh, Jefferson Street <coughs> <coughs> Joe. Legendary Pittsburgh Steeler. You can't forget that guy. Here's a guy that didn't make the list. And Tony actually talked about putting this guy on the list. And it's Mike Krusik. Yeah. (laughs) And Krusik was 6 0 as a starter, I believe, as a rookie. So when Ben Roethlisberger had his great 2004 winning, uh, when he was winning these games, He broke the record of another Steeler backup, number 15, Mike Krusik in 1976, who went 6-0 as a starter when Terry Bradshaw was out. Tony, why is Krusik not on this list?
1: Because he was the epitome of a passenger. He didn't throw one single touchdown pass. It was all about the defense in a rushing game that year.
2: (laughs) So that's why we didn't put him on the list. Um, Yeah, he did not have a touchdown pass in his career, I believe. For the yeah, Steelers.
1: yeah, he didn't have a uh, touch and pass in his entire career.
2: But he was really important to the team. And so we were, we were doing a show the other night, the Steeler preview, the Steelers preview with uh, Mike Beck, Dave Schofield, myself, and it was going to be on advertisements. So I went back and we were going to talk about the best Steeler advertisements of all time. And we talked about, of course, we talked about Joe Green and we talked about... You know the fact that there was a Steeler Uniroyal tire called the Steeler tire, um, and then they did commercials for, uh, of course, Elsie Greenwood with his uh, Miller Lite commercials. Mm-hmm. You had Jack Lambert and Myron Cope with the Kennywood commercial. Of course, uh, Franco had a bunch of commercials. Uh, Bradshaw had Bradshaw had one for Redman Redman Tobacco, yeah. which you won't remember see that
1: today. yeah yeah he wore a tou- he wore a toupee in the uh, in the commercial.
2: And I watched all these commer- I watched all these commercials. Then there was another one with Bradshaw. And it was for I forget the product, but it was for an after shave. It was maybe aqua velva, but it was like uh for an uh, after uh, like a pre-shave gel mm-hmm. that you put this gel on before you shaved. Or it was like it wasn't really a gel, it was like it was like cologne. You slapped it on and then you shaved so it wouldn't burn. And it was Bradshaw teaching his backup quarterback Mike Krusek, who was in the commercial about this uh, about this certain shaving product.
1: <laughs> it, was really it might have been the biggest paycheck he ever had. <laughs> it, it could have in, been in the, in the NFL. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. So uh, we we had to talk about we definitely had to talk about Mike Krusek there too, uh, and bring him up. But Sean, thanks uh, thanks for bringing that up.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
2: Let's go to number three, Tony. Our third backup quarterback here, and I've seen him come up in the live chat as favorites here, and he was pretty important, especially for that 2002 team. So bring up number three, my friend.
1: Tommy Gunn, Tommy Maddox. I mean, he 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 maybe saved the 2002 season. He was a toast of the town for a year, which is which is what most backup quarterbacks. That's usually what happens. They they come in and and look at uh, what's his name for the Jaguars last year. He was a, he came in and set the world on fire for a little bit. That's what backup quarterbacks normally do.
2: Gardner Minshew, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing about Tommy Maddox. What a great career for the fact that. Here's a number one pick. He's supposed to be the guy that supplants John Elway and a lot of people don't realize this they uh he was a quarterback that they would just they would just rotate. Dan Reeves was rotating him back and forth with another quarterback and in place of uh, Bubby wasn't there yet um but it was in place of John Elway just you know back and forth like every other series in games. Mm-hmm. It was Elway, not LA. it was a stout, and the quarterback that I'm thinking of was from the University of Virginia, and I, I'm i not professional enough to have had that down, because I tell you what, it just popped into my head, and I could remember them doing this during games, but was it Moore? Was the guy named Moore from the University of Virginia, but I mean, we're looking 1992, but... He'd go back and forth. He just never made it in Denver, though um, Maddox did. Um, so he ended up with a couple other teams. Of course, he's out of the. He's completely out of the league. He's selling insurance in Texas. Then Vince McMahon calls. He uh, he's now with the LA. I think they were the LA Extreme. Maybe um, I, I forget what the name of the the XFL team.
1: I think it was the Express. I think no, the LA express
2: was Steve Young's team in the USF.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. LA. I don't think it was the extreme, but yeah. Okay. It wasn't the express. All right.
2: Okay. So that's, we got to figure that one out too. So I think it was Sean Moore, the quarterback that I was looking for, um, from Virginia. And I'm thinking it's the LA extreme, but if anybody in uh, the live chat wants to help us out with that, uh, uh, we will mention you fondly. So, um, Tommy Maddox, so he's out of the game. He's selling insurance. He comes back. He win, They win the uh, L. A. wins the championship that year, and he's the he's the uh, XFL MVP. So now NFL comes a calling, and I was shocked that the Pittsburgh Steelers came calling for him. Yeah. And he ends up on the Steelers. He was there in two thousand one, um, mm-hmm. backing up. He was backing up. Actually, he could have been the third quarterback. Was he the backup to Cordell in 2001?
1: Yeah, he was number two in, in, in okay. 2001.
2: And we never saw him. We saw him the last game of the season against Detroit is when we saw him. Uh, we And we were talking about that. I was right. Read over and helps me out and says LA extreme in the first XFL. So um, he So he doesn't really have to do much his first year. Um Cordell went 13 and 3 with that team. They went to the the NFL ch- um the AFC Championship game and they uh which I was there and I'll never forget <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because he blew it and I was at the the uh, game 4 years before where he blew it. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had Super Bowl tickets that year, so I'm still upset about that. Um, we actually got through in the lottery, and I had plane tickets to New Orleans and everything, so just didn't get a chance to go in. But um, Tony, what are your thoughts of of him coming in that year um, oh. in two thousand two? Take us through that.
1: Well, he came in uh, in the second half of that of the third game against the Browns at Heinz Field. They were zero and two. Cordell wasn't having a good uh, go of it those first two games. He kind of. Uh, picked up where he left off in the, in the AFC Championship game. And of course, the defense was having a bad time of it too. Uh, so so Tommy, Tommy Gunn, he came in and and uh, saved the day. They won in overtime and and he he kept, he was the start. I think Cordell might have made a start of one more game early in that year, but it was basically Tommy Maddox show the rest of the year. He, he got hurt towards the end of the year and Cordell came in and, and won a couple of important games. Actually, people forget that he came in and and quietly won a couple of games. It was basically Tommy Maddox show the rest of the year, and and they they had an offensive, uh, a passing offense that, that like we hadn't seen since maybe the late seventies. I mean, they really, uh, they were they were all about passing that year. So it was it was he was a, 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 a definitely a one year sensation, but but it was it was a fun ride. It was really a two thousand two was the fun year.
2: But so he stuck around, and he was a backup for a few more years on that team as well. And then he, you had two backups, um, in those early two thousands and mid two thousands that were, uh, both made this list and they were right. there at one point, he was number three to this other guy that I'm gonna, going to go in and go ahead and mention. Uh, but you're talking about that season start off one and three. Now his first start was against new Orleans and new Orleans was a very good team that year and they didn't make it through. Um, that they barely lost that game, but after that, he rallied them. They went to the playoffs. You talked about him getting hurt later in the season, and it was a November game against the Tennessee Titans. And I thought he was dead. Yeah, I thought, I, I mean, I really, I was worried. I was just as worried as I was when when uh, Ryan Shazier went down because mm-hmm. he got Tommy Maddox got the lucky end of it but he was carted off the field. You thought, we thought he was paralyzed.
1: Right. And
2: it it, it was just, uh, and he was back in a few weeks.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. And then, and I remember when Shazier went down and we went on right after that show it was Monday Night Football, December 4th of 2000, um, 2017. And we were, we felt lost, you and I. And we, and the one thing we kept on talking about is like, Hopefully this is a right. Tommy Gunn situation, a Tommy Maddox right. situation, and it ended up not being that. And uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, um, this isn't a Ryan Shazier conversation, but uh, I'm so I'm so glad that his situation got better. Yeah. Um, and that, but uh, we were hoping that it it was a Tommy Maddox. Uh, it was the same thing that happened with Tommy Maddox, and we he wasn't that fortunate and we, as fans weren't that f- fortunate as well, but they go on to play Tennessee again in the playoffs. You know, Tommy gave us Tommy and Chris Fumatu Malafala and Antoine Randall L gave us an amazing playoff game, which I, I watched not too long ago. And, yeah. uh, and that game in the snow at, at Heinz field against the Browns was absolutely amazing. Um, He just had a great season. They ended up playing Tennessee again the next week. And that's a game that they almost made it to the AFC championship game. But you had a guy. You had a guy. I believe it was Joe Nedney, if I'm not mistaken, for the Tennessee Titans that did the active acting job of a lifetime Academy Award job. And he was gloating about the job he did on Dwayne Washington. And he had a chance to kick again and they lose that game. And I'm still mad about that game. That That was one of the worst calls against the Steelers, especially there. Victory Asher says, Tommy Gunn was lights out against Vic and Atlanta. That was uh, like November 2nd or 3rd of uh, that year, 2002. I was in the stands. Plexico Burris broke the team record for receptions. Um, yep. Receiving yards at 254. He threw... Do you remember the last play of that game in overtime?
1: I remember, and it, 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 it. I think it speaks to. I was watching with my uncle, and it speaks to how your emotions can 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 run things for you. He was clearly short, right? Uh, at the, with the hail mary, he was at least a yard short, and my uncle was screaming, "Give it to him! Give it to him! He's in! He's in!" When he clearly wasn't. Yeah, but I remember that game. That was they rep what 17 in the fourth quarter, and the defense kind of collapsed, which was a, a theme for that defense that year. They couldn't get off the field on third down. But, yeah, it was a, it was an exciting was, game.
2: Two third and 18s. Two yeah. third and 18s. Michael Vick converted with his legs.
1: Yep. And they couldn't stop him. What a
2: game that was. I, I oh, need was to watch that game. Yep. I got to put that on my list. Um, the,
1: go ahead. Uh, uh, Bill Cowher I, I kept saying after that game, he kept trying to em- emphasize we didn't lose. I'm just trying to let you know we did not. I kept telling my guys we did not lose the game, but it sure it sure felt like a loss. It was like the uh, the Cleveland tie from a couple of years ago. It just felt like a loss.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, um, Big Marv asks about uh, Bruce Gradkowski. If you guys remember, he played for the Oakland Raiders and he beat us when we played when we played them. Yeah, Bruce uh, Bruce had a couple good games here, oh. not enough to make the list though um, for the Steelers but I was a big fan of Bruce Gradkowski and I listen to him on the radio. Now I, I think he works for uh pro football focus and he, he's very,
1: very good. Yeah,
2: he, he's very good. Um, I listen to him when he's uh, on the fan. Let's go to number two, Tony.
1: Oh, number two. W- one of my favorite uh, quarterback jobs of all time, backup quarterback jobs, uh, uh, Mike, Mike Tomczak. I mean, he, he came in, and, and if you remember, Jim Miller won the won the uh, the job and training camp at '96, after uh, Neil Algano left, and uh, he lasted a half. <laughs> and for Coward for panicked and said, "Well, we can't have this. We, we, we need a uh, a more stable veteran." And he threw he threw Tom's like in there, and he and, he, and he, he did a great job that year, taking him to the playoffs.
2: Yeah, he they uh, he uh they won the wild card game against the Colts. They crushed the Colts. And then the next week, they just weren't... uh, They were playing in the fog. You could hardly see that game. And they played against the Patriots. They lost 28-3. to I could still see Curtis Martin running down the sidelines in the fog. And something huge happened to me in my personal life that day. I was visiting my parents. I was living in West Virginia, and I took my girlfriend at the time. I took her to see my parents and uh, to meet my parents and she was staying there and she was a Dallas Cowboys fan who were going to play later on that day against the Panthers and they ended up losing against the pa- Panthers, which I was glad because just to screw with me and my dad, when Curtis Martin ran that 80 yard uh, scamper all the way in the fog in the end zone, she got up and cheered and squealed to rub wow. it. In. Wow. I dumped her probably three weeks later, but I was hanging on that moment. I mean, I didn't dump her on the spot. I still had to drive home with her, but um, I, I was done. Wow. But never. And I've told you the story about my uh, my wife who cried during Jerome Bettis' last game. and it was It was uh, the first. We had only been dating a month. And I took her to uh, Jerome Bettis's last game against Detroit that year, and she cried when the fans were shouting "One more year, one more year." And I looked over, I'm like, "This is the woman for me." So that's the story. The way your uh, your significant other um, taunts you when you don't taunt back that 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 goes a long way. So I knew she wasn't the right one for me because she dissed the Steelers. So. That's uh I don't know why we got all the way into that, but we're talking about memories here. It's stealer nostalgia, so I guess that's nostalgia. But yeah, Mike Tomzak, we could talk about that season where he was he ended up starting, but Tomzak was so important to that team for so many years, yeah. In the uh in the early 90s, and when they were when they were going to the Super Bowl in '95. Uh, when they went to the AFC Championship game for 94, he had to come in spot start a few times
1: yeah. for he, Neil O'Donnell, He played and he the first move. game. Yeah, he started the first game of the year against Detroit. That's that, that yeah. famous play you see him getting... getting. I still don't know how he stayed in that game, where he just got absolutely blindsided as the starter uh, in that game against the Lions at Three River Stadium. <laughs> that, that was that game. He, he And he started, like you said, several more that year.
2: You know what? Uh, he did not... I can't remember his record as a starter, but I think it was pretty amazing um, for the Steelers. I, that's something I could go ahead and look up, but he was the guy. Yeah. He was definitely the uh, the guy as far as a backup quarterback. Um, he could very easily be number one on this list, Tony, but he's not. I mean, you could make an argument for Mike Tomczak, uh, and we could look at records, and we didn't pull up records because I told you about this idea maybe right before the show that we were doing right. it, And we put together our uh, our top five just like that. Um, but Tom Zach, as great as he was, I think we've got to go with number one. And I don't think a lot of people are going to disagree
0: with our number one. I'm Alex Rodriguez.
1: Tony, take it away. It's uh Steel Valley Zone, Charlie Batch. He started off in Detroit, and he came here, and he was, he was the, uh, uh, he was the, I can't think of the word, but he was the your 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 typical backup quarterback. He, he was a veteran, and he was a steadying presence when he came in. And yeah, definitely Charlie Batch, number one overall. Maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's the bias that he's from Pittsburgh. But yeah, I think Charlie Batch is on my list as the. Top quarterback or backup quarterback, at least in my lifetime.
2: You know what he he was a starter for Detroit, and he really wasn't bad in Detroit. Um, wasn't bad at all, but he really, when he came to Pittsburgh, he adopted being a backup quarterback as his role. And I'm the kind of guy that thinks you should have a backup quarterback in the pro bowl. Um, I even now you're going to call me crazy. I think there should be a backup quarterback in the hall of fame. (laughs) Don struck, but that's, uh, that that's probably going a little crazy, but he was, he was just money for the Steelers.
1: Yeah. And he was uh, again, you know, he had no ego about it. I mean, those, those years after, uh, after Ben took over from Tommy Maddox, I mean, I think we we all agree they were pretty tough for uh, Maddox. I, I don't think he really accepted the, the role, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he had had a career resurgence in 2002, and they struggled in 2003. So they went out and they they drafted a franchise quarterback, and he quickly came in and took uh, Maddox's place, meaning Ben. So you know, but but Batch was there. He was the guy. Like if you, uh, the the AFC Championship game against the Broncos in 05, his second year. Uh Batch was constantly coming up to him and giving him encouragement and giving him advice. And, and he saw that all throughout uh, Batch's tenure here. He was the one that Ben was talking to on the sidelines more often than not, as far as the, uh, the backups.
2: So, you know, when you look at these two guys that we have at the top, you know, Charlie Batch had a six and three record as a Steeler starting quarterback. And then you go ahead and look at Mike Tomzak had a 15 and 12 record as a Pittsburgh Steeler starting quarterback. They were both three games above 500. Um, you've got to remember though, that, I mean, he was a starter. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Tomczak was a starter for very much that entire 1996 year, albeit one game. And so you got to look at the fact that if you take those games away, Charlie batch had a better record as a starting quarterback, excuse me, as a backup quarterback. So I think that's something you you've got to look at there, but I don't even remember Charlie batch in Detroit. I I know he was there and I know he was there at the time. Somebody just, uh, John just says, Charlie batch, uh, I'm sorry, explore your world. Just said batch had very little help in Detroit, but he still had Barry Sanders. Um, Starting, he was a rookie in 1998. He still had Barry Sanders there. He still had uh, the, I believe he still had Herman Moore there. He he had some players there, um, but when he came to Pittsburgh, it just fit. He was home. Yeah. Some guys don't want to come home.
0: Right. I remember,
2: Terrell Pryor said, "I I was glad the Steelers didn't draft me. Now he'd do anything to come to the Steelers, and that's not right. a knock on him, but he didn't want the distractions of being home."
1: Right, exactly.
2: And yeah. Charlie Batch, just he is the ultimate Steeler and he will go down as years go on. Charlie Batch is going to get greater yeah. in the eyes of Steeler fans as a backup quarterback. Cause now that he's on the post game show, he's a spokesman for the team. He is an ultimate Steeler now. And that, that career in Detroit, it's almost like it didn't happen as the years keep on going.
1: Yeah. And, and, he, you know, another thing that weighs heavily into in, in his favor, and, and we mentioned this earlier with with Terry Handratty, Terry Hanratty and Joe Gillum, and you know, he started games uh, for them in 05 when you know when when they went to the Super Bowl, and won the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, they barely made the playoffs that year, and he won games in Green Bay. He won a game and and uh, against the, the uh, Browns on Sunday Night Football. You know, I mean, when you have a when you have your quarterback go down like Ben did in, in the middle of the year, I mean if your backup comes in and falters, as we saw last year, you know, if you don't have, if your, if your backup quarterbacks aren't, aren't on point, you know, that could cost you a game or two. And, and he came in and, and, and won some important games from that. And I think that weighs heavily into, you know, and then of course the, the, that game I'll never forget in 2012 against the Ravens, they didn't make the playoffs that year, but that he came in and, 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 and won a very important game to keep him in the hunt at the end of the year. So, yeah, I think, I think we have to remember, some of the games he did win were during Super Bowl during a Super Bowl year.
2: But oh my gosh, he, when he came in and won that game against the Ravens, they had no business winning that game, Tony. Um, yeah. They, they were, no one thought they were going to win that game. And he was just, he was absolutely incredible. Right. We've got, we've got a live chat. We've got a super chat here from Sean Manahan, $2. Thank you, Sean. We appreciate it. How do you guys forget the coin toss game?
1: Yeah, he, he was the starter there for the Lions, yeah. I, yeah, how about yeah.
2: that? I forgot about that. Oh, gosh. I mean, Jeff he used to talk about the uh, one of his earliest – not earliest, but one of his main Steeler memories from the holidays and Thanksgiving was that coin toss game. I remember I was an adult, and I I was watching that game, and I was like, how are you missing this? How yeah. How is this happening? And when they lost that game, and I think – That's one of those games that, that, uh, that's why they changed the role. That's not the exact reason they changed the role, but Jason Hansen comes in. You knew Jason Hansen wasn't going to miss a field goal. Um, He comes down and kicks that field goal and they win that game. What was it? 16 to 13. I, I don't remember the score, but when he did that, you know, like the Steelers never had a chance because of, they messed up the coin toss. Right. I mean, the refs messed that up, and didn't give him a chance, and that's why I like the role that that uh, you know at least if they just score a field goal, you've got a chance to match it. If they score a touchdown, you're done. Right. Because if, if you score a touchdown, that's that's the ultimate goal. That's not a I don't want to say cop out, but that's not just like missing a field goal.
1: Exactly. And, and, and that was. Go ahead. Oh, and that was, uh, that was the, uh, a fitting, uh, start to their, they had a basically a, a two year slide after that. They, they or three year slide, I guess they lost, uh, 18 of their next 24 games through the, uh, early portion of the 2000 season. And it all started with that, that coin toss game. That was kind of like the beginning of the end for that nineties run that they had under Cower.
2: And as Jerry Cherry says, seventy seven seven to three, then seven to nine. And that's what happened in that season. Uh, you know and you you can go back to uh, that being just you know completely pivotal and they they ended up you know the next season 99 was that wasn't a very good season at all and that's one of the reasons they were picking eighth in uh, 2000 when they picked up uh, Plexico and then the next year, they almost they would have made the playoffs. But Bubby came back to hunt them as a Minnesota Viking because I believe that uh, I believe the Minnesota Vikings, they uh, rested their quarterback against, uh, was it against the Colts and uh, Bubby came in and they didn't win that game and uh, they didn't win that game and all Pittsburgh needed was for Minnesota to beat the Colts and they were going to the playoffs Right. And it didn't happen. And so I've uh, there's when you're talking about another backup quarterback and Bubby wasn't on our list because Bubby to me was more of a starter as well. But this it all comes back to the backup quarterback sometimes breaking your hearts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, I, th- I think we, we learned that lesson last year. If you don't take care of y- your own business, <laughs> you might have somebody like Bubby Brister that you have to hope can take care of the business for you.
2: And he didn't do it, but he's still one of my favorites. Number six. Well, Tony, um, we have, uh, we uh getting ready to wrap up. And then Snowman chimes in with, how about the Steelers' top five of backups for a show name? The top five of backups?
1: Well, I think you meant maybe for the, the, the name of this show. Is that what okay. you meant,
2: Snowman? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Snowman gives us $5 for that, and we thank him. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading no Dave Shipley saying Bubby Brister's mom in the stands sucked. <laughs> I guess she was really animated in the stands. Um, yeah.
1: They showed her a lot in that 89 playoff run.
2: So, um, nap who, uh, nap 1963 was telling me a story about how, uh, I believe it's his, uh, cousin or uncle, uh, who I met at the game when we were down there last year. um, how he uh, he knows Meryl Hodge real well, and one night he was uh, he was at home, and uh, or was it or was this his uncle? I'm I'm not sure. Um, that got the call. So one of them was telling me the story that all of a sudden Bubby's on the phone at like two in the morning <laughs> and mm-hmm. called him at his house because Merrill got him to call. I don't think it was Nap. I think it was Nap's uh, Nap's relative that was telling me that story. Come to think of it. But uh, he said, uh, and this was just not too long ago, and Bubby was just one of those uh, one of those great personalities. That's a guy we need to have on the show. We need to talk to Bubby.
1: Oh, Bubby would be the best.
2: I talked to Bubby for about five hours, probably, and I, I would mm-hmm. do the I would do the Chris Farley. Hey,
1: re- remember when <laughs> oh, the stories that he would he would he would have?
2: Because I kind of grew up with Bubby. Uh, Bubby came around when I was in high school and uh, through college, and he was just one of my faves. Uh, and he gave he gave us that 1989 season as well, and that was just a tremendous season. There's some quarter, backup quarterbacks we didn't talk about, Tony, um, that uh, you could talk about as backup quarterbacks. Somebody brought up uh, Cliff Stout. Yeah. Cliff Stout was a solid backup, and then he started in uh, 1983 before going on to the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL um we could also talk about David Woodley Mark Malone um Jim Miller was brought up in the live chat as well um there's other guys uh Brian St. Pierre Rick Strom um you could you could bring up uh there's some names that you could bring up that uh you might even say who for back yeah
1: right right
2: but. Remember, the backup quarterback, and awesome stuff, 1983, same Len Dawson and Johnny Unitas.
1: Well, Johnny well. Unitas never made the team. He never made the Steelers team, so that wouldn't be a good one.
2: <laughs> yeah, Johnny didn't make the team. Boy, was that that a mess. Um, uh yeah. T. Martin. There you go, T. What's, what's T? Why is T. Martin significant as far as a Steeler backup quarterback? Not something he did on the field, but something – that he's associated with.
1: He was one of the many quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of Tom Brady, right?
2: Right before Tom Brady, they picked him oh. the picked him in the fifth round. No, I'm not talking. I'm not talking right before, but in the fifth round and the Patriots took him in the sixth round. Yeah. And, and I believe the Patriots were picking high that year too. Um, so I'm not sure where the, I, they might've been pretty close and he went, he went went right beforehand so yeah there you go so this was a fun lively show Steeler nostalgia i hope everybody had fun with it um if you want to come up with a name for this show you could throw it in the live chat but since we're wrapping up you could send it to uh my my twitter um b t s c b a d uh if you want to go ahead and do that tony do you have a, what's your twitter account or do you uh, want to throw it out there
1: uh no yeah Defio man I, I don't know how I came up with that name but it's been my, my name for over a decade now
2: Defio man oh I like Ryan O'Tools the retro show let's pull that I like out. it I like it I I like that we the retro show could be a good one um, Jerry Cherryband says smash the like button yeah check the show out I really appreciate this um, this is not going to be a every week thing it might be an every other week thing. Um, it might be a special thing or may, maybe it just uh sticks but we talk about the 2020 Steelers all the time and that's what we need to do. We need to talk about the current the current Steelers, but every once in a while it's fun to go back into that time machine and talk about the the great years that uh, continue to make us a fan and shape us a fan, shape us as a fan. And that's that's a lot to talk about. <laughs> Robert Sassa fits. <laughs>
1: how about the hangover (laughs) there you go well hey
2: you know what i think we might try that we might wait till the fall but we might try the hangover
1: (laughs) i I hope we have some hangover shows this fall Uh, that'd be that'd be great definitely
2: um we don't have we do not have a catchy sign-off for this one so uh, you know what that's uh let's go with little doc brown and marty mcfly and uh We got to get you back to the future, Tony Duffio. So
1: (laughs) with that being
2: said, for Tony, I'm bad. We love hanging out with you guys. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you all soon. Great show, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family